Hello and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. We're coming to you live right now. I'm in Saskatoon and my friend Patrick is over in Halifax. Special shout out to Clayton's parents who showed up late last night from Manitoba and ruined his chances of being here tonight. So thanks Clayton's parents for that. Now I have to host this thing and it doesn't sound as good already. Today we're going to be talking about the winter meetings that just wrapped up in Vegas today. Uh, the big news of the week obviously was the Blue Jays releasing Troy Tulowitzki on Tuesday and today being the Rule 5 draft. A couple of things happened, a couple of additions, a couple of losses and we'll get to that shortly. Patrick, any opening thoughts on the winter meetings? Did the Jays really do anything that makes the team better or did we kind of just stay the same? Um, I think I'll have a better answer for you once we're done talking than I would right now. But I do have a question for you, Justin. Yeah. Can you be live with a recorded podcast? Well, I mean, I'm live. We're live right now. We're living, aren't we? We're we're all alive. Can we be live? Well, I'm live. I I, I like the idea of being like live via satellite on time delay. Live from New York. It's Saturday night. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no. Well, maybe someday we'll do a live a live broadcast on Twitter or something. I know some podcasts to do that. That'd be a fun time. I'll bring my webcam and record myself while Clayton talks. <laughs> I'm sure people would love to just watch me watch Clayton for an hour. That'd be great. That would that would be really weird. That would be the weirdest video that I would ever watch from start to finish. I know. It'd be just like one of those car crashes where you just can't look away. yeah perfect let's get get into it yeah before we jump on we'll just give a quick shout out and a quick plug to our social media platform so if you look us up on facebook i just search bat flips maple dips you'll find us we're on twitter and instagram at bfmd podcast our most active platform is twitter uh i'm tweeting on there pretty much all day retweeting correcting jay's fans who are wrong that's one of my favorite pastimes we're also on soundcloud itunes spotify google play music YouTube, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm not even going to mention the one that Clayton also always mentions because he's not here. Um, again, if you guys ever have any suggestions, topics, or uh, questions about the episodes, feel free to send us messages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave a comment on whichever platform you listen on and we will see it. You can send us an email, batflipsmapledips at gmail.com. And if you ever have any suggestions, just hit us up. We're always open to listening, and we always want to uh, give our fans some fan service with some content. So let's move on to, right into the big story of the week. Uh, Tuesday, Troy Tulowitzki was released by the Jays. We still owe him $39 million that was remaining on his contract. There was $38 million in salary plus a $1 million buyout for the 2022 season. So he hasn't played since July 28th of, of 2017. He injured himself uh, when he stepped on C.J. Crone's heel trying to leg out an infield single against the Angels. Um, and then after that was almost healed, they, it, was, it was found that he needed surgery on both of his feet to remove some bone spurs. So initial thoughts on the too low release, Patrick? Were you shocked at the time? Uh, I was kind of surprised, but obviously this is an indication that the team is looking to the future rather than hoping for Tulo to come back for sure i don't even know if it's even a a reflection at this point of what his physical condition is it's probably more a matter of it's time to move on past the old guard and it's going to be painful for jay's fans because they're going to see a lot of their fan favorites leave the club it sucked saying goodbye to batista and encarnacion and donaldson and it's gonna suck saying goodbye to martin it's gonna and it sucked saying goodbye to troy tulowitzki yeah 
but I'm, but I mean, the reality is, none of us are on the hook for that thirty-nine million dollars. <laughs> so, who, like, honestly, like, I don't care if it's three hundred ninety million dollars. Tulowitzki is has been one of my favorite players uh, for a very long time, probably since he was a rookie. So, yeah. the idea of him getting paid after putting his body on that shitty turf in mm. uh in toronto for a couple years and getting beat up like that yeah it just like it's that's it's totally fine with me it sucks because i i had there was a small part of me that did want to see him come back <laughs> and wanted to see what he was capable of but you know well, i we, think yeah we might see him come back with another team too right i mean the good news about this for both sides is that it's December and he has plenty of time to find a new team and that new team only has to sign him to a league minimum contract since he's already making a ton of money from the Jays over the next couple of years and Ross Atkins said that he didn't believe that Troy Tulowitzki could play shortstop at an elite level for 140 games and that's what you want from your starting shortstop is the ability to play 140 games whether or not your starting shortstop yep. actually plays that much remains to be seen. But, I mean, they good on the Jays for kind of keeping uh, the Tulowitzki camp in the loop. Uh, they kind of gave Tulo's agent a list of a series of outcomes, I guess, at the start of the offseason saying what could happen. I mean, obviously, one was the inevitable release, but another would have been he's healthy enough and earns the starting job. And then there would have been the other option where he doesn't earn the starting job, and then what do you do with him? Um, I mean, since, since the release happened... Uh, apparently Tula was willing to switch positions and he would like to play for a Bay Area team, which would include the Giants and or the Athletics. The Athletics might lose Jed Lowry on their middle infield, so they might need a, a guy to fill in a gap and maybe they give Tula a shot. The A's are a, a low-salary team and luckily for them, Tulowitzki is now a low-salary player when he signs a new contract. Do you think he'd be a fit in the in, in Oakland? Uh... I mean, oh, there's, <laughs> there's one. a big sigh. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't, I think he's done. You think I, so? I think the fact that the Jays are willing to pay $39 million for him not to play a single inning for the team says a lot about what how they feel about his performance. Yeah. And I just... There's Even two. if he were to sign for like the league minimum, I doubt he plays a game after July. So I mean, it doesn't cost Oakland a hell of a lot of money to no. sign him for the league minimum, and then, you know, maybe he becomes the comeback player of the year, or maybe he is done by mid-April. We wouldn't that be something? I mean, eh? that's a that's a lot of money for a mid mid-April player, but there is zero chance too low goes to the minors zero he would never go <laughs> yeah. to minors so like it's just a matter of uh <laughs> i guess <laughs> i don't know like yeah i mean I, I i think he's done i think he's done i don't think he's done but i'm i am i am kind of relieved that his jay's tenure is over because now he doesn't have to torture us anymore he can torture a new fan base and it lets our boy uh favorite of the show lordis guriel jr uh, get a shot at earning that starting shortstop job, but apparently it's not his automatically. Uh, Atkins says Guriel isn't penciling as our shortstop of the future. He's got to earn that. 
He also says that the group that the team will look to complement the group of shortstops in our system. So I mean, we've got obviously Richard Urania is on the forty-man roster, who might be my least favorite player on the forty-man right now, besides Joe Biagini. <laughs> <laughs> and we have prospects like Bo Bichette, who played in Double A this year and is our second-ranked prospect and a top ten overall in the MLB. And also Kevin Smith, who had a monster season. And then you have 2018 first-round pick Jordan Groshans, who will probably make single-A, high-A ball this this coming season, but won't be ready to at least threaten for a roster spot for another year or two. Our shortstop crew is already pretty deep, but in terms of major league-ready shortstops, we just traded away one in Aledmus Diaz. And now that move seems to have kind of a question mark around, surrounding it. Like, Did the Jays know they were going to cut too low? Or and they still traded Diaz, or was this kind of something that came out of the blue and the Diaz trade had already been done? Personally, I would have liked to see Diaz at least be on the roster and maybe have Devin Travis be the odd man out and have Gurriel play second base instead. But I guess they're going to roll with Devin Travis at second base to start the year at least. And if and when Bo Bichette comes up, maybe he pushes Devin Travis out of the lineup and moves Gurriel to second. We'll see what happens. What do you think about Diaz not being here and the future of our shortstop position? Uh, I think I think it was this was like a super planned move. There's okay. there, like I think this was determined before the Diaz deal. The Diaz deal it gives Diaz the opportunity to go play for what'll probably end up being a better team in 2019, and I think. Diaz doesn't fit into the timetable and it, it just makes sense for us to start younger players knowing that this team is going to be bad next year. Why bother slightly delaying these prospect developments? I mean, like we have a shortstop for if there, we had a game tomorrow, it'd be Guriel. Yeah. Uh, and if it wasn't Guriel, it'd be Urania, which is, whether you like it or not, serviceable. God damn. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it's I, true. I don't, it's, yeah, he it's, is serviceable. It's probably and true then, at this point, out of necessity. And I mean, if if those guys go down with injuries, then we get to see Bo Bichette. And yeah. then we still have Kevin Smith, who is one of our uh, top five prospects. For and sure. then, like you said, Jordan Groshans, who is at least two to three years away from getting serious looks. So, like... We have a very healthy dearth of shortstops. It's just a matter of, like, you know, like giving them the opportunity to, to eat these innings. And if huh. Diaz was going to be on this team next year, there, that you, you might as well chop out, like, 1,200 innings of second base or shortstop because right. that's what he would have represented. So, if anything, it's like a super logic move to move Diaz and then you give him put in the younger players to get those prospect development. I mean, it's, they have to look, get experience somewhere, not, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, it's gotta be somewhere. And I mean, obviously Bichette is going to hopefully spend time in triple a, there's no chance he goes <laughs> back to uh, the Fisher cats. There's no, no. chance he goes, you know, unless it's a rehab stint, he goes any lower than like high a. So, I just like I think this is like a super logical like next level five dimensional chess move. <laughs> Fair enough. It, uh, it, yeah. It just it just makes sense. It does. I mean, the initial shock was there for sure because I mean it's Troy Tulowitzki. 
but once you look past that kind of initial earthquake of of activity then the the logic set in and we were all kind of happy with it so with the Tulowitzki era in Toronto finally over what's your favorite memory of his time with the Jays um just see in general seeing him like on the field during the playoffs yeah um yeah, like I, I had mentioned this before, like the Donaldson dash is one of my favorite memories. And the first guy that Donaldson hugs when he comes off the field was too low because he was batting next. And I yeah. just remember, like I've always loved too low. And oh, for sure. I, I guess like I don't, I can't remember anything specific that he, that he did that had me like go, wow, holy shit. Except maybe like. <laughs> those early starts where he was like hitting the crap out of the ball well, when we I first mean, got him. And he made some he made some typical Tulowitzki defensive plays too. All those spinning throws and he's always throwing on the run. Like every throw he makes just looks like it's easy. And I mean he hit some yeah. clutch home runs for us in the playoffs. I mean he had three home runs and sixteen RBIs and twenty playoff games with us. So it's not like he didn't not done like he didn't contribute. And I mean his his debut game with us was an eight two win against the Phillies and he had two doubles and a homer in his debut. So I mean Right away, the fans were chanting the the too low, the clap claps and the too low at the end, and I mean, yeah. it he made a a great first impression on the Jays, and he was huge in our playoff in our playoff runs just for his experience. Um, let's go on to Scott Boris and talk about this briefly. So Scott Boris is an agent for those of you who don't know who he is. Um, he represents Aaron Sanchez and most of the other big clients around the league. He his guys get paid, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, he was the reason that Jake Arrieta sat out until into spring training this this year because of contract issues where he wanted more money. Um, so on Wednesday, so yesterday, over 100 media members swarmed around him in the, in the lobby at Mandalay Bay and to hear his quote-unquote spicy takes on the league. So he he had this to say about Aaron Sanchez. Certainly with his skill and talent, I would imagine a lot of teams would love to have Aaron Sanchez. This was prompted by the the rumors that the Reds, among other teams, are interested in both Stroman and Aaron Sanchez. So Boris has criticized Jay's management and its owner company, Rogers Communications, on multiple occasions for not spending enough money to bring the best players in the league to Canada. He had this to say. He said, I think we have a national treasure that's not given the due course and respect because the baseball people need dollars to get the best players in the world to come to Canada. I mean, a lot of this is just typical agent talk. He says he has great respect for the baseball aspect of the Blue Jays and great respect for the fans. He said it's Canada's baseball franchise and it should be one of the highest respected teams in baseball. It's one of the major teams in Major League Baseball because of the fan base, obviously, and the country. It's it's pretty typical for agents to kind of talk down a team when they have a client who's there and when the team isn't performing well to try and get that team to move said client or earn more money for the said player. What do you have to, what do you think about Scott Boris? Do you, do you think that he's good at his job? I mean, I don't know if anyone can argue that he's not, but is he good for baseball? No, <laughs> no. Uh, Scott Boris is a very loud room clearing fart. He's a bladder full <laughs> of hot air he does exactly what he's supposed oh, to yeah, do. Oh, yeah, he's good at his job. Which is, yeah. The thing that I don't like about him is the the fact that he... He's very arrogant, he takes, right? 
Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he's an agent. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what they're ex- comes to the territory. expected to do. But talking down the team that your client plays for is a bad strategy. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to have a bad time if that <laughs> if you're doing that. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, I pay so little attention to Scott Boris because I know that's the only way. Right. To make him go away or to make him have minimal impact. <laughs> he's just, he's doing his job. Yeah. He's a bladder full of hot air. He, there's nothing that he says or does that's going to impact uh, management beyond the business relationship that they have. Sure. Um, the thing is, Scott Boris is very shrewd. Uh, when it comes to his business dealings, he doesn't and mince so any are the words, Jays. Yeah. So there's 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 going to be clashes. Yeah, that's just a, a natural uh, result of a business transaction between two shrewd business people. <laughs> um, Scott, that's just what Scott Boris does. So it's fun to hear the stupid things that he says, and then it's not so fun to hear of the sort of peripheral impacts that his statements have. So I'm curious to see what kind of impact Boris's statements are going to have on the Jays when Aaron Sanchez gets closer to like full free agency right? instead of arbitration, because that's when it's going to be interesting and in telling whether or not Sanchez wants to be here as much as, you know, we want to believe he does. Yeah, well, if it's good, depending on how he plays, too. Yeah, well, I mean, like, some players like Marcus Stroman, you, you know, cut him and he bleeds Toronto blue. Like, like Stroman isn't going anywhere if he has anything to say about it. Yeah. He, the, the thing is, like, I don't like uh, uh, Stroman's strategy any more than I like Boris's strategy. Stroman's is... Every day on Twitter, he's up-talking Toronto and up-talking how much he loves to be here. And I feel like it's a strategy because... It's a lot of talk. If he, yeah, like, if he gets dealt, then he can blame the Jays and not his, like, piss-poor performance. True. And if he doesn't get dealt, then he, he already lives in a city where he's a fan favorite. So, like, it's win-win for him. But I... I question, though, the whole validity of of Stroman and how much he loves wow. the city and how much this is just, like, smart business <laughs> talk. Well, height doesn't measure trade value, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, another Jays rumor that kind of has been, I guess, minor in a sense is Justin Smoke. The Rockies have expressed interest in him, allegedly. It seems to me like the Jays aren't ready to move on from Smoke yet. We could see that happen at the trade deadline, and a lot of it's going to depend on how our minor league first baseman, like Rowdy Telez, um, and to a lesser extent, Chad Spanberger and whoever else is down there play. Um, do you think that we'll deal Smoke before the trade deadline or at all? I don't know. It depends on whether or not we're competing or the not. The offer's got to be good, too. Uh, I know yeah. that's like, it's not very helpful but of me to say that, but I mean, like, okay, if Colorado wants Justin Smoke, we, there are certain things they have to, and we have to accept. Justin Smoke is still a top 10 offensive first baseman at the plate. Sure, yeah. Um, he is debatably in the upper half of the league when it comes to his defense. I know it is in the decline. 
fine, like we have talked about before, but he's still better than at least half the league at first base, the starters yeah. anyway. So if we take those things into consideration, we, you know, Colorado, who I believe offensively had the worst uh, offense from a first baseman spot. I think that's in, right. In the NL. That means that smoke is extremely valuable to him. That's a massive gap yeah. in their lineup that they want to fill. So they're going to have to deal something to us. And it's, it's likely to be uh, one of their top prospects pitching. And the question is, out of like Peter Lambert, Riley Pint, or Ryan Rollison, uh, who are their number three, number five, and number six pitching prospects, right. uh, who's worth departing, like who's worth parting with to get smoke? Because if we're just if we're just gonna blow it all up and we're just gonna trade everybody who's like over twenty five yeah, years old arms, or yeah. is like close to being a free agent, then we gotta. It has to be for prospects. It has to be for prospects where we have gaps. Yep. So like, give me one of those three, preferably um, Peter Lambert, and then you know maybe a couple of other players, maybe a solid reliever. You know what, whatever. Just like give us something for him, and you know we we could do it. We can we talk. Make that deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, fan favorite Jay Happ. He signed a. Two-year, $34 million contract with the Yankees with a vesting option worth $17 million uh, for the 21, or 2021 season. It'll be based on a game started or a combination of innings pitched in the 2020 season. So the maximum value for that deal could be three years, $51 million. That's a good deal for Jay Happ as a, what is he, 36-year-old pitcher. I'm, I'm happy personally that he stayed somewhere or went somewhere that he could win. There are a, lot, a ton of rumors saying that he might come back to Toronto, and while that would have been awesome for the fans and for Jay as he likes the city, it wouldn't have been awesome for his playing career as the Jays obviously aren't going to win the World Series in the next three years before he probably nears retirement. Do you like the move for Jay Happ to stay in the Bronx? Yep. Yeah. He's going to get paid a lot of money, and he deserves it, mm -hmm. and he has a chance to win a crap load of games and really bolster his resume. He, when you get to yeah. this point in your career, you're thinking about, you know, you got to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time because once you retire, you know, you're not going to be doing it anymore. Unless you you're Bobby coach. <laughs> Yeah, you can coach, you can manage, you can barnstorm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't really that doesn't really exist so much anymore no. in, you know, 2018 and this this to me says not only are the Yankees extremely serious about winning um, by taking Hap off the board for everybody else, uh, it also gives Hap the opportunity to, to see what he can do uh, at 36, 37, and probably 38. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think he has what it takes to, to win enough games to get into the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but no. he has the opportunity to do something really cool, which is to pitch into his late 30s to early 40s and keep winning baseball games. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good for him. It, yeah, it, it's awesome. I'd love it if we could see him pitch long enough to get 200 wins, oh. which I know is <laughs> that's uh, 91 completely... <laughs> that's a superfluous benchmark, but I mean, <laughs> it would be really cool to see Hap, you know, rack up 
a ton of wins at the end of his career and maybe get a championship. Although that would mean it would have to come pretty soon. At the expense of, yeah, and at the expense of the Jays, which I think we kind of have to accept. Yeah. Uh, that being said, like, yeah. if there was ever a player I would root for on a division rival like the Yankees, it would be Jay Happ for sure. Definitely. Um, Andrew yeah. McCutcheon, a favorite of yours. He signed a three-year, $50 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. This contract's backloaded. Um, it's got $10 million this year, 17 in 2020, and $20 million in 2021. And then there's a $15 million option uh, for 2022 with a $3 million buyout. It's an interesting deal. <laughs> I mean, he's 32 years old. I thought he, honestly thought McCutcheon was older. But, I mean, he, he put up solid numbers this year. He obviously saw, or was traded from the Pirates to the Giants in the offseason last year. And then the Giants traded him to the Yankees at the trade deadline. So over the course of the season, he hit 20 home runs, had a, about a 14% strikeout percentage, and he walks 21.3% of the time and has an almost 800 OPS. And he played 155 games. He's playing like about average defense in right field now. He's not a center fielder anymore, but 120 WRC+. Plus. Uh, 2.6 F4. So, I mean, he's still positively contributing. And the Phillies are looking pretty dangerous now. We'll talk a little bit more about another player they just acquired in a second. Uh, do you like this deal for McCutcheon? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> he's going to get paid a ton of money. And uh, deservedly so. I've always been a big fan of his. And I was secretly hoping that we would see him in a Jays <laughs> uniform when we were in that window. But obviously, that's not going to happen. happen. What's yeah. interesting to me is that not a lot of people think about McCutcheon when they think about like some of the best uh, hitting or best players at the plate because he's seen a decline in his average since 2014. Right. Uh, but his OBP is insane. Like it's so high. He it's hovers around like. 400 for his career for the longest time and even now like still his career obp is 378 the guy just knows how to get on base Jeez. i don't know if that's worth the money <laughs> that he's being paid yeah but again the phillies are taking a piece off the board and they're obviously looking to load up and be better so i don't know good good for uh good for kutch good for the phillies um the NL East is kind of looking like the NL Beast instead of the NL East. So, like, all these little little uh, cliche nicknames for oh, <laughs> for the NL are kind of, like, swapping yeah, around all of a sudden. I think it's, I think it's going to be – it'll be similar to this year. We'll see the, the Braves and the Phillies kind of duke it out. Obviously, the Phillies fell off a cliff in September this year. But the Nationals are probably losing Bryce Harper. Um, they lost out – they got Patrick Corbin, though. It's gonna be interesting to see what the Nationals do if they don't, when they when and if they don't get Harper uh, to stay relevant because I mean they might have the best rotation but their offense is gonna take a big hit if they don't get Harper back and the Phillies are just upgrading everywhere they have a great rotation they've got Aaron Nola who finished high in the Cy Young voting this year as a young young guy and they have yep. Jake Arrieta who's a World Series champion and a Cy Young winner right behind him. They have they have a solid a, a sneaky good team and I mean a lot of people wrote the Phillies off early this year because Gabe Kapler was doing some weird shit as a man as a first year manager and yeah. then it started to pay <laughs> off for them and then all of a sudden at the end of the year their offense just 
decided to go to sleep. Um, but it, I like the move. I think it's a good. Um, the other player that we were just referencing that Philly got was shortstop Gene Segura, who they picked up on December 3rd when they sent Carlos Santana, not the musician, to the Mariners um, for him and another pitcher. Uh, and today, <laughs> the Mariners then flipped Carlos Santana to Cleveland to get former Blue Jay and fan favorite Edwin Encarnacion. This is a three-team deal. This is a weird trade. I'm just going to summarize it. So Seattle is getting Edwin Encarnacion, the 77th overall pick from Cleveland in this coming year's draft, and $5 million cash from Tampa Bay, who snuck into this trade. The Indians are getting Carlos Santana, Jake Bowers, a first baseman from Tampa Bay, who's left-handed, and $6 million cash from Seattle. And then the Rays are getting an infielder named Yandy Diaz from Seattle. Um, So both Edwin and Santana are on three-year, $60 million deals. It's it's unsure at this point if Edwin sticks in Seattle or if he's slipped for something else. I mean, the 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 uh, Mariners just flipped Carlos Santana ten days after getting him, and he was a first baseman slash DH as well. So just looking at their stats this year, Edwin is thirty five years old, which seems like he should be younger than that. But I mean, that's what happens, I guess. You get old. He hit thirty two bombs this year, uh, eight ten OPS. Strikes out 11% of the time and walks almost 23% of the time in 137 games. So, I mean, he's still got a ton of value at the plate. Santana's three years younger at 32. He hit 24 jacks, 766 OPS. He strikes out 16% of the time versus a 14% walk rate. And he played in 161 games. So he almost played every day for Philly. Um, Thoughts on this trade? It's kind of weird that the Rays just snuck in here to give away some cash and to get an infield, young infield player. Is he's it, not young, no. He's Andy not young? Diaz. No, he's 27 oh, years geez. old, What's... which makes me wonder what in the hell uh, the Rays were doing because I they gave they away <laughs> a first baseman, $5 million cash to pick up a 27-year-old who has less than 300 career plate appearances. They must see something in him. The Rays are strange. I don't know if it's that or if it's just like... Because they're also like obviously get, getting rid of Santana makes me think that they're like... They're prepping for something. Uh, Seattle's weird. Seattle and Tampa are both weird teams. I mean, Seattle picks up Santana, and then 10 days later, they give him away. Yeah, and they also traded Jake Bowers. So, Yeah, Tampa's strange. I don't know, but the Tampa, like has a, Tampa has like a, a plethora of left-handed first base, and they have a, a Korean guy. I can't remember what his name is. I think his last name is Kim. Uh, I can't remember what it is at this point, but they have. I think they have two or three left-handed hitting first baseman who are major league ready outside of Jake Bauer. So it's kind of a, a house cleaning issue for Tampa sending Bowers away. It's a strange it's deal. A, it's, it's weird. Cause it's yeah. just like, it's a lot of money to be like, here, take this. Especially for Seattle. I mean, getting Edwin, when they're kind of in the midst of a teardown, when they got rid of Segura, their pitching is old. Like Felix Hernandez is not what he used to be. Um, I don't know. I think Seattle is... They must be playing like six-dimensional chess or something. This better be a 2019 move. move. Yeah, they got to do something strange. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they're going to look to deal for smoke or something. I Who don't knows? know. It's, it's just like it's crazy to me. It's going to come full circle. Uh, but these first <laughs> basemen just getting flipped, it's, it's kind of strange. Anyway, moving on from the strange trade of the day to the Rule 5 draft, which also went down today. So the Jays made two picks in the Rule 5 draft. In the first round, 
They picked up Elvis Luciano, hope I'm saying that right, who from the Kansas City Royals. He was their number 23 prospect in their top 30, according to MLB Pipeline. This kid is 18 years old. He's from the Dominican. Uh, he Atkins thinks that he has the talent to stick with the team out of the bullpen. He started in rookie ball this season with 12 starts. He went 5-5 five and five with a 3.90 ERA and a 70-23 to 23 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's going to be 19 in February. If he does make the Major League roster, he'll be the first player born in the 2000s to pitch in Major League Baseball. Uh, the last 19-year-old to make it to make the Jays out of camp was Roberto Osuna. So it hasn't. It's not like it hasn't been done before, and with success, I might add. Uh, but it seems strange. Like the kid's the typical. He's got a good fastball and a good curveball and a a, a kind of good changeup. So he's kind of a typical young right-handed pitcher. He's got his, He's either got to stick with us or we got to send him back to KC, likely, unless they don't want him back. But an 18-year-old kid who's only played in rookie ball is signed as a free agent with them when he was 16. It kind of seems strange um, that we would give him back. But, I mean, what do you make of this guy? Is there anything here? There could be. There the must be something, with these right? Types of, yeah, there's like with these types of picks, they're usually very, like, painfully deliberately low risk high reward definitely uh, the last time i think we took a flyer this big on a rule five pitcher was joe biagini and he was good for a season before he became joe biagini an absolute <laughs> yeah an absolute dumpster fire yeah uh, i honestly i'd love to see this guy make camp it, we're gonna be bad so he can't pitch any worse than well, Mark Leiter Jr. or Danny Barnes or Joe Biagini. So, I mean, and even if he does, who cares? He's 19. He's probably going to be bad anyway. So yeah, he's going to be really good or really some bad. Kind of, yeah, and, like, if he ends up being amazing and ends up being the the closer of the future, well, then <laughs> everybody looks like geniuses. Well, and if I he mean, ends I up think... sucking, well, they DFA him and he's gone. Yeah, they like, they want him to be a starter eventually, but he's he's 19, and we, we don't really need a 19-year-old starter, and he's played in rookie ball, so he's going to be a relief pitcher. Uh, the other guy, another right-handed pitcher, his name is David Garner. He's from the Cubs. He didn't play this season at all due to a series of drug suspensions, and I say a series of drug, suspension, drug suspensions, I mean three. So he got a warning early in, this, early in the year and then was suspended for 50 games on March 23rd. And then when he tested positive again on June 7th, he was given a 100-game suspension, so he did not pitch at all this season. His career minor league record in 141 games, only three of them were starts, is uh, 11-13 and 13 with a 4.07 ERA, and his highest level he's pitched at is AAA. This is a strange pick to me. I don't know what we were doing here. This guy's got a pitch in our pen, I guess guess in 2018 but he didn't or 2019 he didn't play at all this year it's it's weird i don't get this one <laughs> i will try to explain it all right uh Do your best. i think i think i get it here's the thing okay number one the drug stuff um i don't i'm hesitant to say that you know the guy has a 10 cent brain because i don't know him in real <laughs> yeah, life i don't know him at all uh, it seems pretty dumb to get suspended that many times. Yeah, he tested positive three times uh, in a year. But I mean, it was they were all for weed. Was it okay? I didn't read into that. Yeah, oh. they were all, uh, according to what I saw on the interwebs. Well, weed's uh, legal in Canada, I, so I good for him, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, it was from it was from Jay's beat writers, so I mean, oh. there's got to be something some there, there, some yeah. validity to it. He only has two hundred, well, one hundred ninety nine career innings in minor league. As a relief pitcher, uh, though. To, as a reliever, which I don't know, that's not really a lot, especially because he's twenty six. Um, I mean, again, <laughs> we need someone to pitch out of the bullpen. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I... He, he, this guy is probably going to end up being better for us than uh, the previously mentioned stock. So, you know, why not take a flyer on him and maybe bring him to a country that has slightly less uh, strict rules when it comes to marijuana usage? Yeah. Uh, or maybe just tell him, hey. Uh, it's still just, strict under Major League Baseball, though. Yeah, just like lay off of it. Yeah, Make, this dick. is his second chance. Yeah. And. The Jays uh, have been known to be generous with second chances in certain situations. Uh, certainly not when the domestic uh, violence yeah. rules in MLB are in place. <laughs> Weed's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> yeah, there. I think there's a different type of culture yeah. in Canada for it, well, and I, I mean, think it's just weed. It's like he was doing HGH or something. Yeah, it's just like this is an easy justification. The Jays can be like, well, we're taking a flyer on him. He's definitely better than some of the arms we already have. Uh, they wouldn't say that publicly, but yeah. the point is we're getting him for nothing but a pick. Like, we're, we're just making a pick. He's probably better than some of the arms that we are going to end up getting rid of or DFAing or keeping in AAA. He could make the team out of camp. If he does, that's awesome. He'll stay in the bullpen. And if he ends up being atrocious, we DFA him and he's gone. Yeah. There's just, it's, it's a, again, a low risk, uh, high reward opportunity for a player who has made some critical mistakes and is now getting a second chance to play on a team that's rebuilding in a country that has more liberal laws when it comes to the consumption of uh, substances, which, uh, Seems to get into trouble with uh, in MLB. Anyway, so <laughs> the three we lost three players off of our minor league system. The one that we don't really care about. His name is Sam Mole. He's a left-handed pitcher who I had never heard of before. He's kind of a minor league journeyman. Uh, he was drafted in 2013 by the Rockies and pitched with them until 2017 when he spent some time in the A's system. Um, he pitched six and two thirds of brutal innings in Oakland. I think his ERA was over 10. In 11 appearances. Uh, he well, pitched for us in AAA Buffalo this season and pitched to a 5.30 ERA, but he had an ex-fip of 3.56. Good luck to the Giants. I mean, this guy has never done anything worthy of major league consideration in the, in the past, so I don't really think we need to talk about him too much. <laughs> anything to say about Sam Mole? No. No. All right, moving on. Uh, the one that The biggest one, I guess there's two big ones here. The first one being Canadian right-handed pitcher Jordan Romano, who is our number 28 prospect according to MLB Pipeline, was picked up by the White Sox in the Rule 5 draft and then flipped to Texas for some cash a couple hours later. So in 2018, Romano was a starter for us, mostly in AA. He did start one game in AAA, which he won, but it wasn't a great start. Uh, his AA numbers, he was 11-8, 4-11 ERA, 4-01 XFIP, Eight strikeouts per nine, two and a half walks per nine, and less than a home run given up per nine. He's going to be a bullpen arm in Texas with maybe some spot starts, maybe long relief or wherever he's traded to next. It, it kind of sucks that we lost Romano, I, even though I don't think he was ever going to be a big major league contributor for us just based on 
what he's done in his career so far in the minors. He's Canadian, so it would have been nice to see him at least make the show with the Jays. But at the same time, it's like whatever. He's he was low ranked in terms of our pitching prospects. Any any words? Any thoughts on Jordan Romano? It it doesn't surprise me that someone took a shot on no uh, at, not at all uh, at him. He is going to be 26 by the time the next season starts. Yeah, I I don't think he was ever gonna get uh, a real shot no. here in uh, to to make the team. But yeah, again, being Canadian, <laughs> it would have been interesting. But he's probably gonna be a journeyman. He's just two to three steps behind Sam Mole. <laughs> Fair just, enough. just a body in the system who yeah. bounces around. Um, next up, a guy that I wanted to put on that forty-man roster and protect him instead of Cough Cough Dalton Pompey or Joe Biagini to an even greater extent was our left-handed pitcher Travis Bergen, who was also picked up by the San Francisco Giants. He pitched. Uh, he, he let's just get back to his history. He hadn't pitched much in 26, 2015 or 2016 due to injuries, and he actually started seven games in 2017 before he became a relief pitcher this year. So he started the year in high A Dunedin before he was quickly moved to Double uh, A New Hampshire. Uh, many thought that he was going to be on our 2019 MLB roster out of the bullpen just based on the year he had. So this season he had 43 appearances. He pitched 56 and two-thirds innings. Pitched to a .95 ERA. His FIP was around 250, which is really good. He struck out 74 batters and only walked 15. And he only allowed two home runs all season in 56 and two-thirds innings. He was a key player in the Fisher Cats playoff and Eastern League championship run. And I definitely thought that he could have been called up at the end of September uh, just to get some major league time to see what we would have had. And maybe if he would have been called up, he would have had a successful audition and been given a spot on the 40-man. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we let a left-handed relief pitcher go who had a great season uh, for nothing. What What do you think about this? Uh, yeah, I agree with you, but let's remember that he's 25, uh, going on 26. So he lost two years to injury, of- though, right? So oh. he's a couple years behind. He's a, yeah, he's a couple years behind because he's lost a couple years. Yeah, he, he looked elite in AA. Very. But he's probably one to two years away from looking, you know, average in MLB. So, like, yeah. is it worth it to hold on to a guy who, while he may have looked great in AA, still probably needs a couple years to develop? It doesn't make sense. So. <sighs> it's... I, I agree. Like, I mean, maybe not protecting Joe Biagini. Yeah, Travis Bergen versus Joe Biagini. I think you take Bergen. <laughs> I I would, yeah, because yeah. I've seen Joe Biagini at his worst. Haven't we all? I can't, yeah, I mean, like, I can't imagine being any worse. But, I mean, yeah, it's weird. But, obviously, Atkins, Shapiro, Montoyo, they know what they're doing. There's got to be a reason for this. Uh, I think Bergen is probably better than the two guys we picked up today. But yeah. I might be wrong. Maybe uh, Elvis Luciano or Luciano uh, ends up being something else. The fact that he's 18 years old and is the number 23 ranked prospect in the Royals. That says something. Very shallow pool. It's like there it could be something there. For sure. He's very raw. Yeah. Very raw. So like... But with like Bergen, Bergen is eight years 
older than Luciano's going to be next year. True. I don't know. For me, it's it's tough to let a left-handed relief pitcher who had a solid year walk away for nothing. But then again, what do I know? And I liked how you said that you think that Atkins, Shapiro, Monto know what they're doing. Because if you read anything on Twitter or Reddit, they'd have no idea what they're doing. (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) But I mean, uh, I think the thing is, like, fans are salt sports teams very salty tend to be a little high strung because <laughs> it's a city that has it lives with the perpetual insecurity of like it's one of the biggest cities in north america but yet they can very win. few championships yeah. to show for it. Recently. i mean <laughs> yeah like yeah. gray cups don't matter to anybody but cfl fans yes and there's no nfl team the raptors have choked in the playoffs many times well and the last time the leafs won the stanley cup my dad was less than a year old so <laughs> yeah I mean, like, or maybe he was a year old yeah there's like two generations worth of toronto maple leafs fans who have never experienced uh a Stanley and, Cup and final. Postseason, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Stanley Cup final or myself any included. Modicum of postseason success beyond the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, one time. Uh, even then, they got dummied by Philadelphia all those years ago, and yeah. they had Matt Sundin. Oh, that's a long but time ago. That's the thing. It's like their uh, Toronto sports fans have to deal with such long stretches of heartbreak. Yeah. And defeat that it's. It's hard not to be high strung and I don't I certainly don't blame them. I think leaf fandom can be some of the most toxic fandom like I I would put Blue Jays fans above leaf fans. I'm a member of both of both fan bases and Blue Jay fans are by far f- uh, less knowledgeable than leaf fans in terms of the sport. Oh, yeah. Um, they're oh, way more emotional and they're attached to players like Russell Martin for some goddamn reason. Uh, and <laughs> Leaf, Leaf fans have accepted that we haven't won anything in 50 years. But the thing is, like, it's, I mean, it does kind of feel like it is their time right now, but like the window isn't that big. Yeah, they're not going to be able to keep all these players together all the time. Something's got to give at some point, and oh, sure. that's why I feel like even if the cap continues to go up and they end up not investing any money in defense whatsoever, <laughs> I just like we'll talk about this when we do our halfway oh, yeah. point episode for NHL. But I think the the Leafs are proving right now that they're good enough to be. Uh, in the upper echelons of the NHL, oh, sure. but do they really have what it takes to beat Tampa Bay or Washington in the playoffs to get to the Stanley Cup? And remains to be seen. Yeah. It does remain to be seen, but if we go by our most recent proof, they lost to the Capitals in the first round of the playoffs last year. Are they better than last year? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Are Washington just as good as they were last year? Yes. So it's true. I don't yeah. know. On that I brief hockey segue, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk just like briefly here before we wrap up on what the plans for Batflips Maple Dips are as we move into the new year. Uh, the first thing up is will there be a website? Uh, yes, to answer that question, we do have a domain now. It's not ready for launch yet, so I'm not telling anybody what it is. I'm sure if you're smart enough, you can probably figure it out. Uh, but uh, 
we will have uh, curated content, articles and stuff posted by us. Uh, and obviously we'll have our podcast linked to the website as well. So we aren't going to be taking a break at all. We'll be releasing a season finale episode next week when Clayton is back. And then after that, we'll be releasing some bonus episodes over the holiday season and into the new year before we come back with some season preview episodes. It seems we just finished our season reviews, but we'll be getting into some prospect talk early in the year. And I mean, it, it comes soon. I mean, we're less than a hundred days away from spring training. I mean, it's, it, it comes fast when the, the off season in baseball is, it's so quick. Um, <laughs> Patrick has in here a better sound quality and better quality show. I don't know what you're saying about, about the quality of our show, Patrick. <laughs> seems like a dig <laughs> uh no it's more of a re- referential to the fact that i come in via skype from halifax and, yeah. yeah and we have to figure out something as far as improving the the, the actual quality of the sound well so... we'll get you a fancy like eight thousand dollar mic or something cool <laughs> i was thinking about getting a yeti mic uh but that might have to wait for a little while oh yeah um but uh, I think we might try to play around with using different kinds of technologies and different softwares to improve the sound quality because I don't think we have to res- uh, stick with Skype indefinitely. I think we might be able to pull it off using um, Audacity. Uh, but anyway, the whole point is we're going to make this sound better. We're going to bring in uh, music. We're going to bring in uh, clips and stuff like that. We're going to try to make this the best that we can within reason. Oh, yeah. We obviously want to be careful as far as what music we play. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the thing to keep in mind is like, we don't do this for profit. No, we don't uh, make a no, cent off fact, of this. There is we have no profit. There's not really any profit to be had. Yeah, we actually put a little bit of money into it just to be able to upload things and whatever else. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like, we're not getting anything out of this aside from our personal gratification. Ah, uh, and fun. don't get me wrong, we hit F5 every day to check the, the hit counts. And we use that to judge our our value as individual people yeah. uh, and as a team. So but That yeah. being said, <laughs> we are going to be better quality show. We promise that Clayton will be back. We have not kidnapped him and hit him in a His basement His parents somewhere. kidnapped him, technically. Yep, there's going to be 83% more Clayton, <laughs> uh, <laughs> more than tonight's episode well, at least. It's, it's tough to have 83% more than zero, so. Well, but in a way, Clayton is a part of all of us. That's true. So there's That's a really non-zero cute. amount of Clayton in there, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not wrong to say there will be more Clayton. But the percentage is questionable for sure. Yeah. It's actually a How I Met Your Mother reference. Okay, I, I it's been a while since I've watched How I Met Your Mother, but uh, going it's, go, it's, it's hold up. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, I mean, uh, we're gonna try and get a few more guests on. Obviously, we've only had one guest, and I mean, he was a great guest in Devin Haru earlier this summer. Um, friend of the show, Devin Haru. Shout out to Devin for everything he does. Watched curling co- coverage all weekend. Devin's in Conception Bay, South Newfoundland, covering the uh, Boost National Championship. I'm I'm a big curling fan, so I'm throwing him a plug. Uh, and we're gonna try and do a few more fun segments and more roasts because we like doing roasts. Um, our roast of Mark Letter Jr. was a lot of fun in our bullpen episode. And uh, anything else to add, Patrick, about the future of BFMD? Uh, I mean, the future is so bright. We're gonna end up having to wear shades indoors. Ooh, Corey at night. Hart. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> there you go. I just hit like five different songs all at once. You also that used a uh, Billy Joel reference. You said for the longest time at one point in the episode, and I just about stopped you to, for the Billy Joel reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big yeah, William Joel this, fan. This, it's weird for us not to have Clayton because Clayton, I, I've made this reference before on our show, but Clayton is the soul. I am the heart. And, and I'm the asshole. Justin. You're the brain. You're the brain. No, I mean, <laughs> if MD needed an enema, plate would be where we stick the nozzle. <laughs> Just kidding. Clayton is obviously the heart of this show. Or no, the soul of the show, which is ironic because he is ginger. Yeah, um, it's very ironic. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we should probably shut her down yeah so Thank again everybody. shameless plugs for us facebook.com slash batflips maple dips twitter and instagram at bfmd podcast we're funny on twitter i say it only because i run the twitter account uh we're also on soundcloud <laughs> itunes spotify google play music youtube TuneIn, and stitcher if you're listening on youtube i'm not sure why listen to an audio website you weirdo but i mean I'm funnier on this Twitter than I am on my own. I don't even I don't even want to give my own Twitter a show because I don't even use it anymore. I basically use the BFMD podcast Twitter as my own because, frankly, I feel safer not using my own name. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for taking the time to listen to the episode. Any suggestions, topics that you want us to talk about, please send us an email, batflipsmapledips at gmail.com or leave us a comment or a message on our social media platforms. For Patrick Marsh, I'm Justin Anderson signing off live once again from Saskatoon. Have a good night. Bye.